Hello and welcome to The Heat Seat. I am your host, Sophie Solaria. This is the place you'll get to meet some of the amazing patrons, experts and ambassadors behind the fantastic campaign that is Menopause Mandate. We shall gain insight into these women's female health experiences, from menstruation to menopause, and we'll find out how they dealt with the lows, gain their knowledge and found their path to where they are now. But before that, I want to talk to you about some supplements by a company called The Better Menopause. The Better Menopause run a mission to transform your gut, which will then in turn transform the way you experience your menopause. As you will hear from this podcast with Alice, her periods became harder to deal with and her PMT left her feeling tired and depleted. This was down to a drop in progesterone, which is the grounding and calming hormone. When it drops, we can feel low and not ourselves. As Alice tells us, her sleep was disrupted and she was left feeling anxious and on edge. We know that was the progesterone, but what you may not know is that this disruption to gut microbiome from fluctuating hormones can further disrupt serotonin levels, the absorption of nutrients and oestrogen balance. Don't worry, it is not all doom and gloom. In fact, it can all be improved with the right holistic plan, starting with your gut health. Their Better Gut Biotic Supplement helps you to balance your microbiome, enabling you to absorb essential nutrients better and balance those oestrogen levels. I've been taking this supplement myself for around a month and the first thing I've noticed was a happier, less bloated tummy. Plus, in the last few days, I've felt my sleep improve too, which I'm just delighted about. I will keep you posted as the weeks go on. But if you would like to support your menopause with the better gut, head to thebettermenopause.com and receive 15% off your first order with my special code, HOTSEAT. But now it's time to meet today's guest and Alice Smelly is a writer and health journalist and a founding director at Menopause Mandate. Alice has co-written a book called Cracking the Menopause alongside Mariella Frostrup and she's written and spoken about menopause on large numbers of platforms too, including major newspaper titles and podcasts, as well as working with key campaigners to highlight their cause wonderfully. Welcome, Alice. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Sophie. Really good to have you. We're going to be hearing a lot about the sort of things women don't usually or rarely speak about until not so long ago it's become a little bit more easy to talk but periods menopause general female health it wasn't something we really discussed openly until not so long ago do you agree and why do you think that is uh no I completely agree and in fact I rang my mother last night to find out what I'd been told about fertility and periods and menopause Uh, when I was younger because to be honest I couldn't actually remember very much at all and she said that she gave me a book called um, Have You Started Yet? It's a very kind of graphic diagrams it must have been in the late 70s early 80s anyway and so I was the one who went to primary school and told everyone in the playground and no one believed me because we were all just like I don't think so that's absolutely horrible it's really good and you can still buy this book and it was very very 70s I think there was a lot of you know look at yourself in the mirror and, and you know get to know yourself which actually is no bad thing and a lot of the experts we work with say look you're it's really well worth knowing what what is all what it all looks like because then you know something's going wrong not that I do now but um <laughs> just I'm busy and it's just such a relief that, I mean, I wouldn't say that uh, teenagers are there exactly talking about it, but it's certainly less taboo than it used to be. And I know that my teenagers will kill me as I'm mentioning them, but they discuss it more openly than we ever did, I think. 
That's brilliant. And it's definitely because of things like menopause mandate. It is enabling these conversations, I think. Well, definitely. I mean, 20 years ago, when I was working at a newspaper, we never, ever wrote about periods, never mind menopause. It just simply wasn't discussed. And I remember pitching an idea to someone about um, periods and they just said, oh, God, no, no one wants to read about that. And of course, now it's changed completely and everyone is kind of embracing features about menopause and midlife because they've realised that women really want to be reading about it. Quite recently I've been watching adverts and they've started to use the colour red basically to advertise things like tampons and sanitary really? towels. Yeah absolutely and I was watching an advert and I was like hang on a second it's not blue anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the water so is The blue liquid poured onto the pads to show absorption. That was absolutely bizarre now I think about it and all those women wearing white trousers and roller skating. <laughs> Humiliation of going and buying anything like a tampon or a pad and hiding it underneath a load of your shopping. I mean even now, even age 50, I, I'm still embarrassed about it. I still think oh god I don't want people to think that I'm having periods although you know frankly it's incredible that I still am. <laughs> you talked about it I remember having terrible cramps in my early teens and they wouldn't give you paracetamol they were like no just get on with it school was quite mean about it but you could get out of games which you know we we talk now a lot about how women don't talk about these things and they don't get out of work teenage girls getting out of things I think they still do that. really so seriously you were able to skip badminton if you were on your period yeah yeah I used to use a lot of things to get out of games <laughs> you know, not just periods all sorts of things I do anything not to do games and then in our sex education at school I got thrown out because I was laughing so hard I was almost sick when my um teacher I think what's her name Miss Exton or something anyway she was trying to put a condom on a banana and I just broke down and got thrown out say that I knew very much particularly you were comfortable I'm getting the impression that you were comfortable talking about this stuff though with friends it wasn't taboo in your world necessarily which kind of said a lot about what you went into as a career I think I've just always had friends who've been quite frank about everything so fertile health as well were you talk about this in school did you know anything about apart from the fact that if you looked at a man you may potentially get pregnant. But did you know anything more about your fertile situation? Uh, Yeah, no, I knew exactly what was going on. Yeah, going on the pill age 19 and just being very aware of things like cycles. I was really lucky. I had like the easiest time after those kind of initial couple of years. Regular clockwork, like literally every 29 days, got a bit of PMT, couldn't sleep, ate loads of chocolate, got my period. And then for five days, really light, nothing remotely traumatic and that's how it's continued all through my life to be honest even now I can tell even with the uh, coil I can tell if I'm premenstrual. You didn't actually have any problem conceiving either? No I remember with our second child I said to my husband look you know loads of friends are having secondary infertility and we really need to like crack on here and um, my oldest was only six months old at the time so perhaps quite hasty but he was in his late 30s at the time and I was in my early 30s anyway I went back to him a week later and you're all good don't worry about that the only thing that has really hacked me off and that's not the word I'd necessarily use about fertility was the treatment during childbirth when with my second child I was I was refused an epidural because there was no anesthetist 
available, which in a way is fair enough. But on the other hand, my birth plan was literally pain relief and I'd underlined it in highlight. That was it. I wasn't interested in deep breathing or anything. I'd had a brilliant, you know, first baby. And I was treated as with absolute disdain as I was making a massive fuss. And obviously, you know, it does hurt. It's not that straightforward having a baby. And then the next day, my notes were left on my bed and they were basically, basically slagging me off saying, you know, in loads of pain, making loads of fuss, couldn't deal with it, couldn't cope. And I was thinking, I was having a baby and I was so horrified. And I remember I was trying to find this yesterday. I had a Marianne Keys book with me and I wrote down everything that happened because I was so shocked. And I thought, I really want to remember this because how can health professionals be so mean and particularly having had a really easy experience the first time and then I was left for five hours on my own afterwards and again you know not that nice anyway but that's that literally that's the only blip and it stays with you it does stay with you they are now uh 15 17 18 two boys then a girl so do you teach them about female health including the boys do you discuss periods with them what's the conversation around menopause those kind of things I'd love to know Alice as a mother how you do things they know so much and they're just like oh god please stop talking about the menopause and in fact my daughter said to me the other day she said it's really funny mum because whenever we have arguments with our mums we put the phone down we go oh she's just menopausal and my daughter said but I say she's just perimenopausal because I know there's a difference and I went honey <laughs> I'm so proud <laughs> but my husband died very suddenly in 2019 so there's not two of us kind of saying things and luckily they they seem to do enough at school and I was like tell me again what what you were taught <laughs> the boys mm. came home and they were much younger and they went oh yeah no we did sex education we know all about periods I went okay and they said yeah yeah no if a girl drops her pad on the floor you can't laugh, you've just got to pick it up and be really kind. I was like, yeah, great, that's brilliant. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen anyone drop a pad on the floor. Great to have that in your mind, what you should be doing. And yes, be kind and obviously don't laugh, but I was a bit perplexed by quite what they'd picked up from their sex education. But I am very, guys, you know, if there's anything you want to ask me, you can just ask and they all go, mum, please, we're all fine. And then with menopause, obviously, because I wrote a book about it, they've kind of learned loads. And uh, Mariella and I talk a lot about, you know, children need educating and they need to know what's going on. And my kids are like, please don't tell us anymore. We get it. But Alice, how do you have those conversations? Because obviously you're you're more out than most women. I think a lot of a lot of people would struggle with those conversations. And I think it's good to find out how you would tackle those conversations with the child, because obviously we need to. I think, well, partly because I've had no choice. So, and a lot of the time I have difficult conversations with my kids in the car. Um, someone told me ages ago that if you want to have a chat with them, don't look at them. So if they're in the car, they're kind of trapped. Mm -hmm. But equally, um, they're more, they seem to be more open to answering difficult questions any conversations about boyfriends or girlfriends I tend to have there because they can't get away from me <laughs> I mean they all seem very much more relaxed and unfreaked out about things than I guess we necessarily were but in so many ways you know watching are you there god it's me Margaret there are no things haven't changed there are no real differences we're all talking about periods we're talking about women talking about periods talking about boys 
worrying whether or not we're going to grow boobs in my case still hasn't happened people keep saying hrt makes my boobs grow and i'm like nope nope still not still waiting oh you've got lovely boobs alice they are lovely but they're very small so let's talk about your experience of menopause per and peri very important as your daughter mentioned and perimenopause yes what was your experience of it so after um my daughter was born when i was 35 i did actually have quite a hairy time of it because hemorrhaging and stuff like that and i ended up with c diff and i ended up in hospital and subsequently it took about three months to be okay and my periods went a bit haywire and i was a bit oh, it's a bit weird maybe it's because i had such a tricky time of it and then that carried on and they got closer together i had no idea no idea that that was probably the start of perimenopause. And then in my early 40s, my PMT got much, much worse. And I stopped being able to sleep as well. And, you know, PMT became like just sort of 10 days instead of a couple of days. And I was thinking, God, this is really weird, but you're busy and you don't really think about it. And then, I mean, to my shame, I should have known about this because Mariella and I then, she did a programme in 2018 about um, menopause still didn't really kind of click what was going on. And then I had two months of awful anxiety before my period where I'd think, really hope we don't crash the car and die today. And all of us died. I think, what the hell? And I had this knot in my in my stomach the whole time. Anyway, luckily I go running with Mariella and with another friend who is a menopause nurse and they kind of like pincer movemented me. I went, yes, yeah, so perimenopause Alice. I was like, oh yes. And I was 46 at the time. So I went to the GP and said, I think I might be perimenopausal and just as and when I'd love to have some HRT. And they went, mm, yeah, absolutely. Do you want some evening primrose oil? And I went, no, absolutely. No, you're all good. They said, oh, OK, because some people get offended when we offer HRT. Would you like some? And I went, oh, my God, yes. So they prescribed it. And within three days of taking it, I was like, oh, I'm back. And I felt like myself again. It was absolutely extraordinary, as though I'd got myself back. And I hadn't realised how different I'd felt. Not like life was a struggle at all, but things like you know the anxiety and work. I'd struggle to remember words, and I got really worried about making mistakes, which I'd never done before. I was always very confident about work. It wasn't as though I couldn't do it. It, it became more onerous. Yeah, it was just extraordinary. And I look back and I think I actually knew about 50% of what I should have known. And that's with being a health journalist and writing about it. And it was only really when we wrote the book that I realized the true extent of perimenopause and the fact that for many women, it starts in their late 30s, early 40s, and that most of us haven't got a clue. And I didn't really have a clue. I think you're quite lucky that it was a switch although I've spoken to somebody only yesterday that said exactly mm. the same as you that it was three days later and she really? realized how different she felt but um oh, yeah. not, not every woman has that light bulb sensation no not at all and what's really interesting is that subsequently I changed to body identical HRT so I've got the uh Mirena coil and I've, I've changed estrogel which suited me really well and then they changed estrogel to estradose and suddenly it stopped working. And I always thought, well, I'm just breezing through. And in fact, it's because I was on the right HRT. And when it stops working and the and symptoms come flooding back and you realize how lucky you are to have, for it to have worked so quickly and effectively. Mm -hmm. And then 
I had the same thing with Uchigestin two years ago. I tried taking it because I wasn't sleeping well and it made me go slightly insane as though I had PMT the whole time. So I stopped taking it. A couple of months ago, I started taking it again and it really works. And again, you realize that you're very lucky to find the right sort, but then you evolve as, I mean, presumably I'm on like the last final scrapings of estrogen, like puffing out of my ovaries. There can't be that much left. And you have to keep on adjusting it and being aware that you it, it's a it's a process and it's an evolving process it's not just well here you go here's the medication you know that's the end of it so are your main symptoms physical well mostly physical I mean now this is the really weird thing so now my PMT has got to the point where it's almost like having a flu so for the five or six days before my period it, like my whole body aches and I kept on thinking I had COVID and I did COVID tests and then I realized that it was cyclical and so they went oh my god this is crap but there doesn't seem to be anything I can do about it I take some paracetamol um totally forgotten your question I'm so sorry sorry. well your symptoms is Uh, it brain fog maybe no no (laughs) very incredible clarity (laughs) so the anxiety I can't say if I was snappy because I had three kids and a job and a house and two dogs so it's really hard to go oh yeah that was hormones I think that's just being busy, busy and people not knowing how to stack dishwashers and in fact I've just done a refresher course this morning. You've mentioned the book let's talk about that what made you decide to write a book with Mariella cracking the menopause it's called yeah how did that start? So Mariella had done this BBC program and we'd obviously written about menopause well I've kind of you know, supported features that she'd um, done and then she I think we thought it was all done and dusted and Marielle had spoken about it everyone knew about it that's the end of it and then three months after my husband died and a month before Covid before lock, first lockdown so it was a really weird time and Marielle invited me to this menopause seminar at Limewood Hotel in Hampshire which is really swanky and one after another, all these really articulate, intelligent, professional women stood up and said, oh, I'm just trying to get through it and I don't really know what's going on. And, oh, I'm not going to give in to HRT. It, like women always sort of feel as though they're caving in. And that was the night and there was some wine consumed, but not huge amounts that we decided this is ridiculous. Let's write a book. People don't know about menopause still. And so we were very lucky um, and we had a, um, a book deal quite quickly so we kind of wrote it throughout lockdown so we couldn't go and see anyone and we were kind of going to and fro on google docs basically (laughs) it was the best thing that I could have had I had three kids at home homeschooling all of us dealing with obviously a a horrendous time and in the middle of it there was this it was like kind of sinking into a warm swimming pool of work and not thinking about all the things that were going on around Still had to make loads of meals, still had to do, obviously, my own cleaning. And it was still quite difficult, but it was just, it was like a gift, to be honest. Tell people what it contains, if you haven't already read it. It contains everything. It's like a friend, really. It's like a companion through menopause. It's, um, It's quite sarcastic as well. So we looked at symptoms and we looked at solutions HRT but obviously all the other things as well it it was very kind of holistic thing so exercise and diet and things like CBT and gabapentin we didn't really go into um, the sort of breast cancer and things like that we sort of thought if you've had breast cancer then you're going to be reading a different book not necessarily ours 
and then um, why HRT isn't in fact, you know, the risks are not what they were uh, suggested to be a few years ago. And then why everyone should know about it. We talked to loads of men, we talked to um, loads of celebrities, we talked to loads of experts. We tried to make it as all encompassing as possible. And we also approached you know, very much diversity as well. And Dr. Nigat Arif was um, the kind of main voice explaining why it's so important, obviously, that all cultures are included in the conversation. And this, this hasn't been the case historically. What was your biggest surprise when researching the book? Well, my biggest surprise is that I didn't know very much about human anatomy and I didn't know the difference between the vulva and the vagina. And Mariella kept on saying, we don't know. And I was like, I think I do know. And then I went, oh, no, we really, really, I didn't know. But apart from that, the biggest surprise for both of us is that for thousands of years, uh, menopause has been written about by men for men and not even really written about but women were sort of historically, you know, older women are seen as a bit useless because they weren't fertile and obviously a bit ugly because we had wrinkles. And so we weren't that interesting. And if we were interesting, then we were definitely toxic. Or if we weren't toxic, we were completely insane. And so suddenly you could see how menopause as a whispered conversation had become so kind of ingrained in our mentality as that. I mean, I think in the last 20 years or so, obviously women have written books about female health, but up until, I can't give you this answer accurately, but in the 1960s, there was a book written about menopause by a guy called Robert Wilson, who was a big kind of fan of HRT, but mostly because women weren't so much fun for men. And he was a little bit, con, con ladies, make yourselves pretty for your husbands. Don't mm. no fun. Keep that sense of humour going. And he called menopausal women castrates because we were so effectively, we were just sort of nothing in his mind. So up, you know, up until quite recently, that was the perception. How did you get involved with Mariella? Our kids went to school together. Oh, I see. So you had this lovely relationship prior to all of this menopause stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we went running together and we still do. Although I have to say the running's kind of, we're all too busy to run now. But we went running together. And then when she did her programme, we did some work together about menopause because I was obviously working as a journalist. So that's kind of how it started. What a relationship. It's built and grown. Literally, as I said to you, the book was a gift. But she really gave me that gift because I think there was some resistance to it being a joint project. And she was adamant that it was a joint project. This was both of us all the publicity for the book. She's like, no, it's both of us. Because obviously she's a bigger name, much more exciting. And I remember as a journalist, I'd be offered a celebrity and then some like sidekick writer. And I go, yeah, I don't think so. And the great thing is, is that I have no shame, which is why I think I don't mind talking about periods and things. And also I have no ego. You can't be a journalist and read reader comments for 25, 30 years and have any kind of opinion of yourself or expectation of special treatment. And I think it, I think that's quite good. Absolutely. And it wouldn't be the same book without you, Alice. So I'm glad that you wrote the book. Let's talk about <laughs> Menopause Mandate, the revolution that is, of which you're a director. So how did that happen? Yes. So if I remember correctly, um, Mariella and the MP Carolyn Harris had a conversation, but they got a group of us together as a campaign group on what I can honestly say was the most daunting Zoom call of my entire life because they've got together some, you know, quite extraordinary women, many of whom have now very kindly become 
patrons and we had um, Mariella's husband who isn't daunting, very lovely. And that was when we got together, we did our first event last June. And the thing about menopause mandate is that every single person involved cares passionately about women's health and the fact that we've been a bit shortchanged and the fact that things should be um, should be different and that there should be equity and women should be on a level playing field with men, which, um, as Mariella has literally just said to me right now, this is not the case still, even though we've had years of campaigning. What so, are you most proud of? I think, I mean, all the campaigners and not just menopause mandate can be very proud of what we've kind of achieved. You know, the HRT now has the prepayment certificates as one off charge, which is just brilliant. And Carolyn Harris was absolutely instrumental in fighting and fighting for that. I think with us, it's the fact that for me, it's the fact there's a community and it's getting ever bigger and better. And my feeling about the whole menopause space is the more books, the more podcasts, the more programs, the more websites, the more groups, the better. We are all working towards the same end game. What's the next point? You know, you, you said that you have meetings and you talk about what's next. What do you want to see tackled next? I think that makes our meetings sound a little bit more constructive than they necessarily are, actually. So I was thinking about this last night. I think it, it is the equity. It's the, it's the economics and the education and access to treatment and the fact that we need vast amounts more research into other communities and ethnicities. Um, Lavina Mehta, who's one of our patrons, is South Asian. And I learned from her that um, Asian women go through menopause five or six years earlier than that kind of oft quoted 51. And we we all need to know this. Mm. So keep, keep going. Uh, look, Alice, it's been so fascinating hearing about your personal experience of all of this we are going to end this podcast by asking each guest to choose their favorite song off the menopause mandate playlist which can be found on spotify what's your favorite song from the playlist and why have you chosen it slightly surprising uh my favorite song is going through changes by eminem and i think that eminem would be really pleased to be mentioned in this context and the reason is i absolutely love his music one of my children it was really ill a few years ago and I had to drive to and from hospital and he really liked Eminem. So he listened to it relentlessly. And instead of hating it and associating it with a really bad time, I now hear it. I know all the words to rap God, by the way. And I just feel very grateful my kids are okay now and I still like the music. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, look, if you want to listen to yeah. that and the rest of the brilliant songs on the playlist, yeah. head to Spotify now. But thank you, Alice, so much for sharing your story today. Absolutely. Your honesty will make many people feel better, I'm Lack sure. Lack of shame. That's what my mother said. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast with Alice Smelly. I love Alice's dedication to helping women with this time in their lives and also her honesty to admit that even as a health journalist, she knew very little about her own female health. To find out more about Alice and her work as a director for Menopause Mandate, head to menopausemandate.com. Plus, if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear from you as ever. If you have a comment, a question, a suggestion for any of the people I've spoken to in this series, then please do get in touch with us at the heat seat at menopausemandate.com. What would you like to hear more of? Let us know and we'll work on it. Plus, if you like what we're doing, please do give it a good review and share it with your friends and family because we love community and we believe that this is where the best support 
can often be, which is why we've also partnered up with Holland and Barrett. You see, H&B are truly dedicated to the health of women and believe that menopause very much matters, which is why we at Menopause Mandate have teamed up with them to offer women a free menopause advice line for support and guidance. This gives you a 15-minute check-in with a qualified nurse who can give you unbiased, evidence-based support. That is what we like. The nurse will check your symptoms with you and help you to prepare for a GP consultation. They'll also give you a guide on how to manage lifestyle changes during this very important life stage, giving you support and help to feel empowered, which in turn, of course, gives you back some control. So if you want support and guidance, please do go and book your free session at Holland and Barrett. And that's all for this episode. Thanks again for being here. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>